0: I mentioned it earlier that I want to talk about the paramis, and the reason that came up for me is because the other day, Wednesday, Wednesday is the, um, I started doing the morning meditation group on a Wednesday in March 18th, and so every Wednesday I, I count it as the anniversary and um, count how many weeks it is, and last Wednesday was 25 weeks that we've been do, sitting together every morning which is 175 days, which is just a, in a mind-boggling amount to me anyway. And what it made me think of, I mean, just thinking this vast period of time from March till today, and it was like, oh, when we first started, are we going to be here a couple of weeks? Are we going to be here a month? Are we going to be here what? And, and what came up for me was the idea of patience that this shifting, changing world, it's like we want what we want when we want it now, but sometimes there's a need for patience, and patience reminded me of the paramis, because the paramis are, what patience is one of the paramis, and uh, paramis are ten qualities that are said to be necessary for enlightenment or liberation, so, They are, uh, they weren't taught as a particular teaching, like the Buddha didn't give this list, it's a later, it's a later story about the Buddha, um, but he did teach these qualities individually, things like generosity, generosity and patience and, and truthfulness, and I'll get, I'll, I'll read the list in a second, and, um, so it, it, the story goes that the Buddha, before he was, took birth as Siddhartha Gautama and um, became enlightened and left us with the teachings of the Eightfold Path and the Four Noble Truths and so on, he lived eons and eons and eons. He had innumerable lifetimes. Innumerable lifetimes, and as many of these lifetimes were dedicated to the cultivation of one of these qualities, so that when all ten were finally developed, he was able to take birth as the Buddha, as Siddhartha Gautama, and 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 then reach realization. And um, there's a, a series of tales called the Jataka tales, which are kind of fables for kids. And they kind, of, this, those are those are uh, stories about his different incarnations and his different lifetimes. So that's kind of the story around the paramis. And the neat thing about the parames is, and a lot of the suttas are intended for monastics, so they are um, sometimes out of the realm of uh, of. Um, they're not. They're not intended for lay house, householders like we are, lay people. They're intended for monastics. But they talk about when they talk about the the paramis, they are qualities that are available to everyone. In fact, um, Ajahn Suchito, who's a monk who wrote a book about the paramis, who it's called. He called. It's called crossing the flood. It's really excellent if you're interested, and in, it's available as a free download. Since he's a monastic, everything's um, offered freely. Um, he said the paramis are a template for the mind's energies that are not outside our ordinary awareness. So it's these things are not out of the award, uh, out of the ordinary. It doesn't demand that you go live in a monastery. It doesn't demand that you become a mendicant and give up everything in order to achieve enlightenment. It's, it's qualities that we have access to as just run-of-the-mill people walking, walking around in the world. And Suchito also says that they are a path of healing. They're instructions for a way out of stress and suffering of everyday life. You know, it says there. It's a there. He says they are used to cultivate skillful actions and intentions throughout the day. So they're things we can use all the time. Like I mentioned, patience. Patience can always come in handy. We don't have to live in a monastery to um, cultivate patience. In fact, well, that's the the myth is that if you're in a monastery, everything's like oh, wonderful. And the yeah, that listen to stories of people who've lived in monasteries and you'll find that there are people living in monasteries, so you have the same issues that you have here. They're just different. But they're they're the same. I think who is that one one nun who lived in a cave in um, Tibet? She I think it's Tenzin Palma, a Tibetan nun. And she um, she wrote a book and the story is that she had cave envy. I mean, you know, you're you're living in a cave, you say, oh, if I could just go live in a cave, it would be okay, you know, there's that's craving, and she did, and she'd look out and go, now that is a better cave, and if I had that cave, then my practice would, you know, go to the next level, so, we're human beings, that's kind of bottom line, so. That is, the paramis are, now I'll let you know what they are, and what I want to do is I want to talk about each of these. Well, let me tell you what they are. They are generosity, morality, or I like to say integrity, renunciation, um, discernment or wisdom, energy, patience, truthfulness, resolve uh, or determination, kindness and equanimity. So what I want to do is go through each of these because I think they are really helpful for the world we're navigating right now, each of these. And so that was kind of the framework I wanted to use in moving through this talk is how do we use, how do these relate to the world 2020, let's say, just for short, lack of a better um, term, 2020, and I think you all get it when I talk about that. How do we utilize this to navigate what's happening in our lives? Um, and we're all individuals. We all have different circumstances, but it's 2020 for each of us. So um, it's like, how do we do this? And, and another piece about the, before I jump into this, one of the things that um, Sylvia Borstein wrote a book on the paramies, and It's called, it's called Pay Attention for Goodness Sake. And she talks about these things, she actually calls them the perfections of the heart, although I haven't seen them called perfections, she calls them perfections of the heart, and what she says actually is that they are the natural inclination of the human heart, but we've got all this crap on top of it, all our conditioning, our fears, our greed, our our trauma, all this stuff that we've experienced in our lives, has, um, has um, uh, uh, impacted us, and so this is a, another way to chip away at that conditioning for, to get to the natural inclination of the human heart, and uh, she also said that these are gifts that we give each other and that this is a path of kindness. Practicing the paramis is a path of kindness. And what I like about it is when you, um, in I think it's Bhikkhu Bodhi, who when he talks about the Eightfold Path, he talks about that as a path of harmony. Because it's a path of how we move through the world. And this, I think, is an example of Of taking the same ideas and the same teachings, but packaging them a little bit differently for a different type of audience. And I think it's the Buddha did that over and over and over and over again. And just he didn't he didn't talk about this in this particular list, but he talked about these qualities which I think are really helpful. So um, the first one is generosity. Which the Buddha talks about a lot. Generosity is the antidote to clinging. Because if clinging is craving and wanting and holding on, then what is better than to let go is generosity. It's so important. And I think especially during this pandemic, um, during this pandemic and during a lot of the, the, the other stuff that we're seeing, the people are in fear. People are in fear, and when one tends to get into fear, there's a constriction, and there's a holding on. There's a, I don't want to lose what I have. There's the, what if, what what about, hold on, and um, we get just tightened up into little balls, and so recognizing that that's not really beneficial, so the antidote to that is to practice generosity, and it's not necessarily um, financial generosity, I think that's what's really important to remember, not all of us have the means to be financially generous, although there are so many opportunities right now to be generous, with the the tremendous need there is right now that we're seeing. But generosity, um, generosity of time, you know, generosity, uh, giving some, smiling. And I don't mean, you know, well, though it's hard now with masks. (laughs) It's just like, you know, it's like you can smile at someone, but who knows. Um, But, you know, I had a friend years ago. She passed away many, many years ago. But when you were with her, you felt like you were the most important person in the world. That she just, and you know what? You were when you were with her. She was giving you her full attention. That's an act of generosity. That's absolutely an act of generosity. You know, and I always like to say picking someone up or taking them to the airport. That's an act of generosity. Talking to someone on the phone. You know, right now, there is such isolation. So many folks are really isolated. Uh, so that, that willingness to connect with others, however it is, you know, a socially distant hangout on a street or in a park. I've done that with friends, met them in a park and sat, you know, on each side of a blanket. Some connection, that's an act of generosity, letting go. Of you know my valuable time, so recognizing that, recognizing the fear, I think is really important. But then seeing if there was an antidote to it, acknowledging it, saying hello, but not letting it be um, the driving force. This is this is really, I think, um, an important an important um, investigation that each of us, a reflection that each of us has to do if we're in that place of fear. What am I afraid of? And Twelve Step has a line that all fear can be traced down to fear of not getting something we want or fear of losing something we have and I think that really fits in with Buddhist teachings as well. It's like wanting you know craving and aversion right there. Craving and aversion. And so generosity is this, is, is this way out. What can I let go of in this moment? What can I let go of? And I'll get into renunciation in a little bit. So it's really important to cultivate generosity. Letting someone in front of you online. So simple. You know? But if I give up this 27 seconds to let this person in front of me my life will be ruined, I mean, watch, if we, if you take them, take a minute to parse out your thought processes, it's extraordinary, it's extraordinary, what, what, what am I losing if I let this person in front of me, what, so, that's the interesting thing about all the rage, the, the pushback against the masks, and the pushback against so much stuff in, in our society right now, it's people's, I think it's driven by people's fear, and the, the inability to let go of what they have and fear of losing what they have and a little bit of generosity with that. I, I, I can't claim to fix any of that, but just to investigate that fear and their inability to sit with their feelings. So that's something else. So the next, the next um, Parami is, uh, they call it morality uh, or virtue, I like integrity, it's a whole section of the Eightfold Path, Sila, how to live with integrity, and what you're doing when you live it with integrity is you're creating safety for other folks, you're creating safety for other people to be around you, if you are not, you know, if you look at the wise, wise action in the Eightfold Path, not killing, not causing harm, you know, through your actions, your words, your deeds, your thoughts, not causing harm that way. Cultivating compassion, not taking what's not offered, not taking people's time, not stealing, not doing, not being violent, being being careful, with, wise with your sexuality, um, really paying attention. So, not not doing shit that's not okay. And I think we all. Unless there's something, uh, you know, screwed up in our chemistry, we have that internal compass, but we're often driven by fear to do, you know, our greed, our hatred, our our delusion drives us to do things to protect ourselves, our egos, our self, and if we can, like, let go of that and just do what is actually the right thing to do, there's a tremendous amount of freedom in that. A, you're not causing harm for others. B, you're making it safe for people to be around you, which is an act of generosity. You'll see how all of these kind of support each other and and combine. So this is an act of generosity. And then the Buddha said in one of the suttas, he goes, if you don't do things that are, um, if if you live with integrity or virtue or morality, you have freedom from remorse. There's no remorse, which leads to joy, which leads to this whole line of the seven factors of of awakening, which is joy and tranquility and equanimity. So it's a path to awakening. And there's a thing called the bliss of blamelessness. When you can look over your shoulder and say, I didn't do anything wrong. People can yell at you for all the, you know, till they're, they're blue in the face, but it's like, you have the internal bliss of blamelessness. It's really powerful if you think about it. You know, it's like, I didn't do anything wrong. And if you do screw up and do stuff wrong, you know, your intention is to live. There's intention and impact, but your intention is to live not causing harm and you take accountability for your actions. That's also part of Buddhist teaching is accountability. So it's like, yeah, I screwed up, I hurt somebody, it was never my intention, but I know my intention was clean, so I'm not, I'm not, um, afraid of actually taking accountability for what I have done, because that's not how I live my life, so if I do screw up, because I'm gonna, because I'm a human being, then I can say, yeah, I did that, it's, But there's no, there's no, um, doesn't mean I'm any less of a person. That's, I think, so much of that. We judge ourselves in so many ways. If I do this, this means this. It just means we're human beings. Stumbling through this world, doing the best we can. So. And if anybody has any questions about any of this, please don't hesitate to go, can you blah, blah? So, and then there'll be, of course, time for questions, at the when I'm done. The next one is renunciation, which is always like there's always groans in the room when somebody mentions renunciation because you think it's giving up your favorite stuff. No, you can't watch that TV show anymore, and you can't have chocolate for Lent. I mean, things like that, and you're like, oh. But really, renunciation is about seeing that what you're what causes suffering and what doesn't cause suffering things that you don't have to let go of things that don't cause suffering don't aren't harmful to yourself or to others and so the stuff you let go of is the stuff that gets in the way of you moving away from suffering so it's seeing the benefit of letting go rather than then the woe is me of, of having to give up something you love to do. I'm trying to think of, 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 um, I, you know, I, I, my tired old, my tired old example of, of my sarcasm, and I used to, I used to love it, because it was, it was, um, it was so much a part of me, and and how I grew up, and how I how I conducted myself, and I saw the harm it caused, and so I spent time letting go, willing to renounce that, willing to renounce that. I still fall back into it, but I'm so much less. Um, than I ever used to be, and it doesn't cause harm the way it used to. I, used, I, told, I had people tell me that I made them cry because of my sarcastic comments. I was being funny and cute, and they were like, oh, you hurt me. And I'm like, ooh, I would rather not hurt people. It was more important to not hurt people than to feel that um, that little shoot of, uh, that little hit of, yeah. Um, from being funny and sarcastic. So finding that place that causes harm, suffering, whatever for you and see the upside of letting it go rather than the downside of letting it go. It's, it's, a, it's a shift in perception. Um, and it's about letting go of our views too. Letting go of how we see things. You know, our, our, our really firm belief in how it's supposed to be. And maybe there's a different way. I talked last week about um, uh, 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 inquisitive doubt, asking, is this thing I believe really true? You know, really being willing to question um, these, these stories we've held, these beliefs we've held for much of our lives, and going, is that real? Is that real? Like I, I, I said, my, my head and, and reality were often in two different rooms, two different Zoom boxes. You can't even, when I move out, you can't, I'm waiting for mine to move into the other person, but it's not, it's just totally gone. So, um, it, it's, to get that reality and your view in the same room there's clarity and it moves and, and it supports wisdom which is the next one and when we are in renunciation practicing renunciation we're making intelligent choices we're make, we're walking away from harm so the next the next parami is wisdom it's again, it's this renunciation helps us to see clearly and wisdom is really seeing the, the truth and understanding the truth of, the four, of the, noble, the four noble truths that there is discomfort, there is suffering in this world. And then there's this suffering we add to ourselves because of our, our clinging, our expectations, our views, our, our aversion and being willing to um, um, do things a different way. Being willing to move along the Eightfold Path, which is the path towards um, freedom. And I like um, Sylvia Borstein says, she she talks about um, the first noble truth. She she teaches it as life is challenging for everyone. And I think we that's a good way to look at it. Life is challenging for everyone. And it's how we work with those challenges that that allows us to have some ease if we fight them every step of the way and and blame and think that they shouldn't be that way and want it that way instead of that way it's never going to work out because the challenges always tend to win when we fight they get bigger so to just um you know let that go let that fighting go um it doesn't mean acquiescence to what's not right it just means um investigating our beliefs and um, and moving towards something perhaps wiser, um, we have this discernment to see what's really going on. And we let go of our unwise response to greed and aversion. You know, We don't get caught up in the greed, we see it. We don't get caught up in the aversion, we let go of it. Which is what our practice is about, seeing what the mind is doing. And it works with effort which is kind of moving into the next parami, which is energy. And energy is um, is uh, is wise effort. It's about seeing when our mind is, is caught up in greed and hatred and aversion and deluded. If you can think your way out of delusion, I don't know. Sometimes you can. <laughs> Sometimes you just are stuck in delusion. Um, so it's, it's making the effort to let go of the thoughts that are not beneficial and cultivate those that are. Let go of the stories about this and that and that and this. I was always, you know, I'm not good enough and self-pity and they're out to get me. Whatever your particular storyline is that you've carried around with you and that you nurture and, and makes you feel good, even though it makes you feel like shit, that, you know, that is what you want to investigate and look at. Um, And I like how um, Sylvia Borstein says, she says, keep the mind clear. Keep the mind clear. Watch it when it's caught up in tomorrow. Watch it when you're having conversations with folks who are not in the room. Oh, man, that was hard for me to let go of. I needed them to understand everything. I needed them to understand everything and you know i could spend 14 hours talking to those folks in my head and it's not going to move the needle anywhere anywhere so and don't miss the present you know the energy of staying present stay here don't you have you must be present to win that's the saying so the energy to be willing to let go and you 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 connect with that when you're in practice you connect with that when you're sitting because the mind is going here and the energy to come back, the energy it takes to come back. That's what you're doing. So, which kind of moves us into our next parami, which is patience. You know, we don't like what is. We, we only need, Gil Fronsdale said, we only need to be patient when we don't like what's happening. If we liked what's happening, we wouldn't have to be patient. But if we don't like what's happening, we need it to end we need it to be over with. We need it to be fixed right now, and um, it gets tied in with expectations. We have to let go of our expectations. And I, th- what I think is really important to understand about the teaching of patience. And I, and I, and I, I looked up this word the other day. Not that I didn't know it, but it's like, what's a good way to say patience? Is not like becoming a doormat, what people think it means when you say patience or no preference. It's not acquiescence. It's not saying, okay, this is the way it is, therefore I give up, I surrender. Um, You win. That's not what it means. It means this is the way it is right now. I'm not going to get, like, freaked out about it. I'm going to say this is the way it is, and I'm not in agreement, and I'm going to work towards changing it, but I'm not going to be... been out of shape in a way that harms me and has no impact on anything else, if, that's what, if that makes sense. Um, I was listening to, uh, I was watching the um, Daily Show the other night and Jane Fonda was on and she was talking about her echo activism and her, her activism in general. And She's been doing this for uh, oh, 50 plus years or so. And he asked, her, Trevor Noah asked her, I can't remember what the question was. It might have been what's a quality that's necessary, what's most better and helpful, whatever. And she said it, patience is really important. You have to understand that when you're working towards huge change in, in, in society, it's going to take a while we didn't get here overnight, so patience, when you're not patient, you burn yourself, you can burn yourself out, and she says she's not going to live long enough to see the end of her work, and I mean, you know, John Lewis said that, that one quote, he said, it's not the job, this is not the work of one presidential election, or one cycle, it's the work of generations, so to recognize that, that what we're doing is not the work of getting it done today, but we just keep doing it anyway. We just keep doing it anyway. And and as far as spiritual practices, if the Buddha had to live 80 gazillion lifetimes, it's going to take me probably a while as well. It's going to take me longer than this week or this month. Maybe another lifetime if that happens. You know, well, I'm willing to give it two or three. <laughs> Or I, who knows if I, I, anyway, whatever. Anyway, so it's, it's to recognize that th- we're not going to get instantaneous results. We're not going to get instantaneous results and to not give up the work, but to keep doing it. And, and you get tranquility from patients. You can still, uh, there are people I know who have been doing a lot of social activism for many, many years that have been in the fight for 40, 50, 60 years. But they have this determination, which is um, two paramis down from this. But They have this determination. They still do the work, but they have this ease. They have this tranquility. They have this solid base. I now, mean, you look at the Dalai Lama. He's, he's had a lot of... Um, you know, his, his people are uh, ex- in exile and, you know, being attacked on a regular basis by the Chinese. And he's this happy, really, you know, joyful man. Same about Thich Han You know, they've, they've had these difficult lives, but they're joyful. You know, um, I think you look at John Lewis and, you know, he, we are joyful. So this patience is part of that. There's a joyfulness that's absolutely present and really important. So you still do the work, but it's not going to take a minute. The next piece, I think, is, is also it goes alongside of um, the integrity piece. And I, I think one of these integrity and truthfulness is are, are so important. Qualities I, I rate integrity one as so high, and truthfulness goes right along hand in hand with that because truthfulness is honesty, it's honesty, and you have to have honesty for uh, intimacy, for connection, for trust. Uh, it's so important. You can look for any kind of communication. You look at the Buddha's teaching on wise, wise speech, wise communication. Is it truthful? Is it kind? Is it necessary? What's your intention? You can be true and kind and, and um, it could be at the right time, but what's your intention behind it? So truthfulness not just mean telling the truth, but it also means saying truth to power. It means really being forthright and honest in what in saying what needs to be said. I think that's really important as we move through this this time right now as well. It's just it's to to, to really be true and honest and and forthright. So that's an incredibly important paramedic. Um and as I said, goes goes hand in hand with with the integrity piece. I think it's. Uh, uh, You know, I'm, um, no, anyway, I won't go off on another tangent because I I want to get through these. There's a couple, three more left. The next one is determination, which I, which pointed back to the patience. It's like determination means this tenacity, this diligence, this willingness to keep, to keep on trudging to keep on doing the work, this is a marathon we're in, it's not a sprint, it's it's going to take a long time to get where we need to go, and so we keep doing it, the, the article Diana Winston wrote a number of years ago about being a bodhisattva, she said you have to think in geologic time, you know, and it, and it, and it, um, I think this also, um, points to the, the Buddha's, uh, list of the five spiritual faculties, the first of which is faith. And faith is also um, uh, translated as conviction. Having the conviction of your beliefs, that this is a solid framework, a solid foundation on which to move through the world. So I have that, I, I believe firmly in these teachings. And so I'm willing to just, I have that conviction of this, this teaching, this belief. It's, it's, I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in the life of others. And I'm willing to keep, keep moving along, having that tenacity and diligence. And the next one is also incredibly important. It's, it's another part of the whole framework. And that is metta, loving kindness. know, that we bring, we have an attitude of kindness to all beings. All beings. Even the ones we might label jerks or sociopaths. We don't condone the actions, but we don't want to carry hatred towards the actors. Because the Buddha said it, hatred never ceases through hatred. Only through love. This is the eternal truth. And so hatred only is that, 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 that burning coal that we carry around with us. So to remember that, it's like we have to, we want to have an intention for all beings, kindness for all beings. Again, it's not acquiescence, it's not becoming a doormat, but it's saying, I'm, I, I don't bear you ill will, might have to stop you from doing what you're doing. You may not be able to come into my house. I may unfriend you on Facebook, but I don't bear you ill will. So um, that, is, that is a really important piece. That's also part of wise intention in the Eightfold Path. We, are, uh, we greet every, we have intention to move through this world with kindness. That's, that's living in harmony. That's also making a safe space for others, which is really important. How do you make it safe for other people and yourself? Because all beings includes you. The Metta Sutta says all beings omitting none. We are included in that. So us too, we get to be kind to ourselves, which is so important. It's about softening our heart. And then the last one, which is the, the, the culmination of so many lists, is equanimity. You know? We accept every experience and have a wise response to everything that shows up. Whatever's there, we're able to hold and greet wisely. We don't pick and choose what we want. It's, it's just all there. And it's, you know, my, one of my favorite phrases, one of my favorite um, sayings. Right now it's like this. That's a path into equanimity. Right now it's like this. It's, it's uh, you know, that I was talking last week, I think, about what is this? What is this? That's the same thing. Okay, what is this? How, do, how does it feel? How do I hold it? How do I move through? Um, so those are the, um, the, 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 the equanimities, the, the paramis um, that, that are, I think, so important I, I think they're great qualities. I think they're really helpful um, for helping us get out of uh, a, get to a place of non-harming. Um, when you move with them, how you approach this, it's not like okay, here's this list of, and I ha- am I did I practice patience today? Did I practice student illness today? You know, how, you know, making sure you check off all the boxes each day. I think the best way to work this is to find out wh- where the struggle is. Where's the Where's the part that is most um, difficult? And that's the one you want to touch on. It's like, oh, if I'm really impatient, that's the one that causes me the most problems. That's where you, that's what you want to work on. Or is it how you interact with others? Is it your communication or is it your generosity or is it, is it um, the effort you bring to keeping your mind present? Is it, you know, what, what is What's up for you? Start where you are is really um, the most important place. Um, and how do you hold yourself as you move through your relationship with others? Um, they say, um, when I, I, I like this, they say each of these uh, paramis supports a brightening of the heart and helps to dispel greed, hatred, and delusion. And I, I also like this 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 term. I don't know where I got this. I might have gotten this from uh, Ajahn Sucitto's book. It talks about this these paramis built character, and it's about building our character versus getting a bunch of accomplishments. Because you know, c- accomplishments, yay! Not taking anything away from them, but you know, we all know it's the internal. The character that, is, that stays with us, that, that brings us that ease. Um, and this is a sentence, this is a quote that I have, and I don't did not write down where I got it. I didn't, it was, like I said, this was a couple of years ago, I have this quote. When you view life as an opportunity to develop these qualities, there is a fruitful attitude towards daily activities. So everything becomes a part of the path and practice. So if you view life as an opportunity to develop these, these paramis, then life becomes a part of the path. Everything you do supports your movement towards liberation and freedom and ease and equanimity, which I think is a good deal. I think it's a good deal. So those are my thoughts, my friends.